Hey guys, it's Anenya, and welcome back to The Desi Reality. Today I have a very, very special guest on with us today. She's a fashion, beauty, and travel influencer. Let's welcome Shugan Patel onto the podcast. Hi, Thank Shugun. you for the warm welcome, Ananya. Um, hey everyone, my name is Shagun, and I'm a South Asian content creator born and raised in the Bay Area. My um, content is dedicated to fashion and modeling, beauty, lifestyle, and of course, documenting my travel adventures with my friends and family. Um, I actually recently left my full-time role as a project manager in big tech to pursue my dreams of working in the creative space. And my goal has always just been to be that representation that I didn't see growing up and really just aim to inspire South Asian women like myself to be the best, most confident versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. So thank you so, so much for having me on today. And yeah, let's get into it. Of course, I loved all of that and I'm super excited to just get into it. So let's start with the first question. Obviously you talked about being from a South Asian descent and you said something that's very relatable to a lot of us, which is we didn't really have a lot of representation growing up. So how has being from a South Asian descent affected you and your mental health? Yeah, this is a really good question, and I'm so glad we're talking about it. Um, simple answer is it, it was difficult. Um, so again, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, and the Bay Area culture is extremely competitive because typically your worth is determined by your accomplishments or your academics mm -hmm. and, you know, what high school you got into or college, what extracurriculars you did, or even, you know, like math class placement. I remember this was something that was super triggering to me in high school. and. <laughs> Um, in general, just felt like I needed validation from, you know, the South Asian aunties and uncles um, mm -hmm. who were nosy for no reason um, and really just feeling compared all the time to other kids. And um, I think that really contributes to, you know, low sense of self, self-esteem and overall just very toxic. Um, and so that was definitely you know one part of it and then the other part is you know I went to a predominantly white high school um, where you know Eurocentric features were considered superior and that's something I know we've seen with the whole fair and lovely thing back in the day and just you know we're, we're definitely making strides now but you know beauty standards back then were not where they are today and you know on top of that I just had a very different you know, body type growing up um, compared to my peers, you know, and mm -hmm. a lot of it's due to genetics. Like, I can't help that, you know, and um, I just, I let that kind of get to me of it. And it was hard because, you know, all my friends would be wearing like skirts and shorts. And I, for whatever reason, you know, at the time just felt so insecure about my long, long legs and I never used to show them. And mm -hmm. um, really just, I, this really impacted my, again, self-confidence and mental health and and so um, high school was definitely a tough, a tough time. Um, and I think in general, it's, it's something that I try to kind of remind, you know, people nowadays of just, it's always important to be kind and just remember that like everyone is beautiful in their own way. And, you know, I really wish I had reminded myself that when I was growing up, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very relatable experience. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a white, like I'm, I'm a, a rising senior in high school and I'm also in a white predominantly you know predominant school mm -hmm. and I've had a very very similar experience I'm from the Midwest but I feel like that experience is very universal for a lot of people and you know the math class comment you made so niche <laughs> but so relatable <laughs> completely, right? completely relatable 
Um, yeah, no, I, I know there's so many people that have experienced that, and I think, I think it's really sad that that becomes an issue yeah. for us, but it's really great to see creators like yourself embracing your South Asian background and embracing yeah. all of that. So we appreciate you for doing that. I do just want to say that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing that too. And I actually just thought of a random story from back in the day that I think it'd be helpful to share. Oh my gosh, of um, course, yeah. <laughs> so actually, I remember this very distinctly because it was around like senior year of high school where I finally started, you know, like, shaping into my features and all of that started getting a little bit you know we grow up we get more you know confident and whatnot mm -hmm. and around this time it was like grad photo shoot so we were all reported to like go to the gymnasium and get our little picture taken I distinctly remember I was all done up right mm -hmm. taking my picture came out these group of white girls came up to me and said um oh my gosh Shagoon like you're actually really pretty like when did this happen? Like, you're actually really pretty for, like, an Indian person. Like, holy shit. And I was like, Yikes. wow, 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 all bad, um, first of all. But even then, like, at the time, I just remember feeling so, like, wow, this is probably, I don't even know how to react right now because it's the most backhanded thing anyone can ever say. But I know so many South Asian women get the same exact, you know, commentary. And it's something that just is not, never okay. And... I told myself, you know, come college, like I am going to not let any of that slide. Mm -hmm. And I just, I kind of like transformed in my mind. Like I internally was just like something switched and I was like, it's time to just own it and not, you know, not let my heritage or my culture be a blocker for me. In fact, it's something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, so. that's absolutely something that it, it happens so often and it's so unfortunate. Like, just the comments and the, the idea of a brown person or someone who just doesn't fit the Eurocentric beauty standard being beautiful is so shocking to some people. Yeah. And it's so disappointing, like genuinely. It's terrible. It is like, it's, it's so toxic. And even, you know, being someone who's interested in fashion and modeling growing up, right? Like I had no examples and mm -hmm. I had watched TV shows like America's Next Top Model and just saw no one that looked like me mm -hmm. was always discouraged to pursue a um, career in this field or even pursue it for fun because I figured oh there's a a stigma around this but b like looks like they don't consider South Asian women pretty enough so just all around so so terrible and I, I'm glad that we're making strides today to, to change that stigma and break that absolutely and you know growing up it was really hard to be able to know your worth and you know, this kind mm -hmm. of leads on to our next question. If, if there's anything I personally have learned in the past two months, it's the emphasis of knowing your own worth. And I feel like a lot of women, especially us South Asian women, struggle to know our worth, especially because of the experiences you brought up earlier. So what are your experiences with this phenomenon as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, well, it's two things that kind of I reminded myself and helped me kind of realize self-worth. And that's one, the biggest thing is, you know, no one can really make you feel inferior without you allowing them to, right? Yeah. The second one is, really, it's simple, but it's confidence is power. And that has been my secret for the longest time. You know, whatever you choose to do, own it without worrying about how people take it, because that's not in your control. And you were put on this earth to be you, no one else. And you offer a certain aura, a certain light that no one else can mimic. So why not own that? You know, don't let anybody steal that from you. Um, and this is something that I kind of remind myself every day, but 
in general, so many South Asian women struggle to know their worth because because they've been suppressed and silenced mm-hmm. for so long. Um, growing up in a community that generally holds men to a higher regard, right, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that South Asian women, when they finally do speak up or stand up, they're considered problematic or sensitive. And, you know, I, I do want to bring up a, a very unfortunate incident, incident, excuse me, because of um, how recent it was, and I think it's important to shed light on it, and that's yeah. um, what happened with Sonia Khan, right? And it's it was just absolutely devastating. Um, was so shaken up, yeah. and new friends that knew her, and it was just, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's the photographer from Chicago who unfortunately um, got shot by her ex-husband in her own home um, because she was in a very abusive uh, relationship, mm-hmm. going through a divorce and whatnot. Um, but this is just another example of like someone crying out for help, waiting for someone to hear them and not taken seriously. And that obviously impacts their self-worth and so many other things. But, um, again, very real. And just, we as a community need to really, really change that, um, and be more supportive of South Asian women, but, um, kind of shifting that back on, I guess, my experience, um, really like. I've kind of already shed light to this, but it was just my own sense of self-image. Um, mm-hmm. And that's tied to my like worth as a person of, I just never felt like I belonged. Um, it's, it's really hard to explain, but I guess the simplest way is, you know, I always felt different. I always felt like I was creative to the point where no one took me seriously in school. Like even my you know, I, I, did, I struggled in classes and I didn't um, find that the typical like career paths were for me. And I switched my major so many times in college, mm-hmm. finally like landed a role in the corporate world. And, you know, while that taught me so much and gave me the skill sets that I need to succeed, I was never really happy. And I um, mm-hmm. let that job title define my value and my worth. Um, sure. And yeah, and that's just something that, again, like I said, it's it's not what I want to determine my worth. My worth, for me, is who I am as a person, mm-hmm. what I do and offer to this world and how I inspire others. So at the end of the day, I personally could care less like what job title I have. If I'm doing something that I'm truly passionate about, automatically my self-worth and me, my sense of self is automatically heightened, right? And yeah. so that's something that I like to share because again, so many people get so hell-bent on their job title or accomplishments that they kind of forget the bigger picture, which is them as people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I honestly could not have said that better. You're so well-spoken. I'm just listening to you speak. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just so in awe. Sorry, I have to say that. But I I could not agree more. I do want to say, too, you know, you were talking earlier about how South Asian women are constantly, constantly inferior in our culture. And if you think about it, if you think about the genuine roots of our culture, that's actually the opposite. A lot of South Asian cultures actually, you know, are surrounding this idea of respecting women and women being very important. And our culture has just kind of shifted that into this patriarchal sense of just prioritizing men or prioritizing certain job titles and then making that your worth. So if you don't fit that mold, you're not a worthy person. And it, it's almost like you're not worthy until you're successful, but nobody wants to give you the chance to be successful in anything else because they just think you can't be. 
So I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I honestly think there's so many people that are shying away from pursuing a creative career path and they're living in this unhappy sense of, you know, just, it's just this unhappy sense of life and having an, having a job they don't like or having a lifestyle they're not enjoying because they feel like that's what society wants. So it's really great seeing people succeed and do so well, like yourself, who have been able to say, you know what, I love my job, but it wasn't for me. And I think that's very admirable. Thank you so much. And also big facts to everything you just said. I'm sitting here and I'm like trying to remind myself that you're in high school. Cause man, when I was in high school, I had no idea. Everything I just like spoke about, I could not even say half of that. So props to you, girl, honestly. Thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. But it's, it's, it's the truth. You know, we all, we've all experienced yeah. it and it, it sucks, but it's great to see a lot of people coming around. There's just a lot more people that need to come around. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that kind of leads on to our next question because we were, we were talking a little bit about, you know, standards and roles that we have to fit. Do you think it's harder for South Asians to set standards for themselves? Uh, absolutely. Um, it, again, ties back to everything we've talked about so far, you know, just growing up to live up to standards that the community sets and our parents set for us rather than focusing on what our own standards are um, and what we want for ourselves. And, you know, another thing is that being part of the South Asian community, you know, as you know, too, that it's at the root of very collectivistic culture. And what that means is it's very group focused. You're always worrying about family, you know, you're not basically you're putting yourself second versus mm -hmm. here in the in the States. Right. It's very individualistic. Um, and that's the Western culture that we've grown up in. And so it's that battle. Um, and so when it comes to South Asian women, South Asians in general, like trying to set standards, it's that it's just, it's not easy, um, especially for women, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, yes, at the roots, a lot of women were respected, but for some reason now, or, you know, traditionally, uh, culture, the culture doesn't really respect women the same way they respect men, unfortunately. And again, been silenced, suppressed, and not taken seriously for the longest time. And so, how do you expect women then to set these standards, you know, up front? Because they've been they've been told not to for so so long. So I think that's why it's such a struggle personally for for South Asian women to really like put their foot down. But we have so many icons now and, and celebrities, influencers, people in politics that are really setting examples of how to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and ideally, that's my dream too: is to be be that role model, you know, that I wanted to see growing up too. Yeah, that's you. You said that so well. I, <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I, yeah, I just could not have said it better. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And you know, just to just to add on to that a little bit, like yeah. when we are setting standards for ourselves, obviously, you know, as we were talking about earlier, there's pressures from the outside, but yes. some of us start to internalize those pressures even after we've you know left our house or left people. Yeah who were you know, putting that pressure on us in the first place. And that kind of carries on into a lot of people's adult lives. And I've seen that too, Definitely. where a lot of people are so hard on themselves, even in their adult lives when there's no pressure around them. Um, right, so yeah, right. 100%. So that kind of leads on to our next question too, because 
here, you know, we're talking about setting your own standards and how that's difficult. And I think a lot of times it becomes hard to not set high standards for yourself because a lot of us start feeling guilty, you know? So right. yep. what, what do you think one should do to deal with the guilt that comes with setting your own boundaries? This is an amazing question because this is something that I've definitely felt um, very recently. And I'm finally realizing and the ways to kind of combat it and the way to think about it. And really what I want to say to everyone is, first of all, you should never ever feel guilty for setting your own boundaries and choosing you, right? Rather than focusing on what the other person or the person on the opposite side will feel or how they'll react, focus on how you feel. Again, putting yourself first, because I for sure in the past dealing with, you know, friendships and relationships that are no longer in my life, like I've felt, I felt that way where I never took my feelings into account and I felt guilty for, for, yeah, for pulling the plug or for putting my foot down and saying, Hey, I don't like this. This is not right. Um, and then it kind of also, I want to say that you should, at the end of the day, do what fills your soul, what makes you happy mm-hmm. and the best version of you. You know, if something or someone doesn't align or contribute to those standards, that happiness, then you don't need them in your life. Like, that's not something that you should feel guilty for. You know, it's something that you can feel proud about that. Like, hey, I have this filter that I'm, you know, having that will allow only certain energies and certain people to come and come through it. Like, mm-hmm. you're not some you're not just a doormat. OK, I and mean, that's like something that I felt. So it's it's something I'm passionate about because I know so many other women and people feel this and it's it's just it's not fair, you know, and um, it's just something to really think about because I mean, again, you're clearing up all the negative and useless noise and you're promoting instead such a like healthy mental space for yourself for you to blossom into the person that you want to become the person that you are. Um, and honestly, life's too short to waste time on people and things that don't add to your light and your energy. So why even waste time? Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And you know, as you were saying, it becomes really hard, especially if you're, you, you, you sometimes become a people's pleaser when you're a South Asian. Yep. And oh, yeah. 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 No. I, I, <laughs> toxic trait. That's my toxic trait, low-key. Like, I, I'm learning to, to get over it now, but if I had to choose one, it definitely is that I just cannot stand it when somebody doesn't like me, but I realize that it's just so, you know, that's such a it's not the right way to think about it because people will not like you that otherwise you are not being your true self. If people only like you, right? Like, yeah. So, um, no, yeah. Anyways, no, 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 no. A hundred percent. Like I was just going to add on to that, you know, being, when you're a South Asian, (laughs) you start to become a people pleaser and it, it, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the same in everyone. You know, some people become people pleasers to, to, you know, people on the outside. Some, some people become people pleasers, only to their parents. Some become people pleasers, you know, only to authority figures, whatever. But you often will pick up this trait just because I think this is something that any immigrant child deals with. Like you just start to pick that up because, you know, your parents (laughs) have worked hard to be here and you don't want to disappoint them. That whole situation will lead to this toxic trait. And sometimes it, (laughs) it becomes a lot more impactful on other parts of your life, your life. And you know, that sometimes can translate into a lot of interesting things. Like, I've, I'm i I'm a psychoanalyzer sometimes. <laughs> like, I like to overthink. Oh, sis. You're <laughs> preaching to the choir here. It's the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right, when I'm out with my friends and 
they're super scared to be able to, you know, even confront a waiter or a waitress. They're like, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine. I'm never, I'm never scared to do that, you know. I'll always kindly say, oh, hi, excuse me, you know, this is wrong, or I'll always do that. But when I'm around my friends who don't do that, I know that, you know, that whole people-pleasing thing for them is in the way of confronting people. But for me, it's, like, very much surrounding my parents, surrounding authority figures, surrounding, you know, my reputation or my image that I have. Yeah. So it's different for everyone, but I can promise you everyone has it to some extent. So that guilt is there for almost everybody I know. To oh, some yeah. Extent. It's, it's one of those things that exists, but it's like you ask yourself to the core, like, why? Like, why, sh why do we feel that? Exactly. But it's because, like, that's how we've been conditioned to feel in a way. It's, it's, it's yeah, it needs to change. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're 100% you're right. When you said that, I was like, you know what? This is reminding me, <laughs> but... Yeah, that, that's so true. And that obviously will lead into a lot of negative things as well. You know, like that could lead to yeah. not being confident in yourself or toxic relationships or friendships. And that kind of goes into the next question we have here too. So, you know, there's a lot of toxic relationships and people around you in the South Asian community, whether you want to admit it or not, you know, that's often the case. So what are your thoughts on some prevalent signs of a knowing relationship or friendship um, is, is, it's like getting toxic. How, how would one know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, firstly, like I've gone through my, you know, fair share of that. Something I thought I'd never go through because I'm someone that really puts a lot of time and emphasis and energy on friendships and relationships. It's a big pillar for me in my life. Um, and my advice for that one is, you know, when you feel drained or dimmed after interacting with the person, um, in a friendship or relationship setting, um, that's an indicator. That's the biggest indicator of toxicity for me because mm -hmm. you should never feel that way with people that you surround yourself with, right? You should feel uplifted and happy and come out of it energized. Um, when you feel like you have to suppress your personality in any form or any way to appease the person or, you know, if you feel judgment for pursuing your passions, in my, in my case, and doing what makes you happy, then again, not the person or friendship for you. Um, sometimes it's easy to spot, but other times it surfaces over time, especially for those long-term friendships, right? Like mm -hmm. you just never know when one of you if, like starts evolving or growing and changing. Cause that's what life's about. It's, it's sad that some people don't accept or realize or recognize that that change is happening and they choose to judge you for it. They choose to get jealous or bring you down or judge you, um, and that's, that's not, that's when you know that that's not the friendship that once was, and maybe you need to step back. Um, mm -hmm. Either way, it's in your power to choose who gets to be in your circle and what energy you want to surround yourself with. You know, I've had to cut out certain friendships, like I said, certain relationships for various reasons. Sometimes paths diverge and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Some people are meant to be in your life, you know, for a specific reason, but also for a season. And that quote right there, like that, Oh, has been that. my my it, just mantra because it's like it's something that reminds me that that's what life's about it's the journey it's the beauty you know you never know who's going to come and go but like you have to look at it as a way of you meet incredible people along the way and it's just only going to get better and if people choose to walk out that's on them like they're really missing out <laughs> um and uh you know another one another thing I want to say is that like time really has nothing to do with the strength of a friendship or relationship. Mm -hmm. I've personally met some of my closest friends and confidants like after college, you know, 
-hmm. during work or whatnot. But I also do have friends from like the diaper buddy days um, or diaper days. And I call these girls my diaper buddies. Shout out, (laughs) shout out to them. Um, So that's, you know, that's a misconception for sure that the longer the friendship, the more you should have to put up with because you don't. Um, We're all just, again, learning and evolving. And sometimes people feel threatened by your growth and transition and they choose to compare you to your quote unquote old self. Um, And these are not the people that deserve to be in your journey, on your journey. And you don't owe it to anyone to explain, you know, why you distance yourself. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of uh, what I have to say on that one. Um, But in terms of like toxic, I guess, relationships specifically, Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've ex- experienced, you know, gaslighting, verbal abuse and all of that stuff and didn't really want to accept that um, as I was experiencing these things because I just, I don't know, I, I just didn't know that that was what I was experiencing at the time. Um, and I kept fighting for whatever reason, even though this relationship or friendship wasn't up to my standards like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I realized I needed to walk away and choose myself because there are people in this world that truly, truly want the best for me, for you. Um, they want you to win. And those are the people that deserve your presence, love and attention. So, yeah, I, I love that. I love all of that. And I really liked something you said. A lot of this, you know, that you're talking about is based on how you feel. If you have a good feeling, you should follow yep. it. Oh, I'm, yes. One thousand percent. That's yep. like I'm so glad you brought that up, actually. That's key. It 100% is. You know, I, I, first of all, love, love that one thing you said, you know, about people just <laughs> being a part of your life as a season. They're not necessarily going to be there forever. Um, yeah. You know, I, I also live by a mantra of like, everything happens for a reason, right? And yep. if there is anyone that comes into your life and you just, what, okay, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to share something that happened to me recently because I think it fits in perfectly to what you were saying. So I met this person and I'd known, I'd known of them for a while and I had a gut feeling that, you know, they were just not who they were telling me they were, but I never got close to them. And eventually I got close Uh to this person, uh, very quickly in a very short amount of time. And we became really close friends. And, you know, at the end of the day, there was a small gut feeling and I couldn't put my finger on it but I kept suppressing it because everything else seemed great. And very, very quickly, maybe a couple months later, this friendship ended, um, you know, okay. not from my end, not from their end. They just, or, you know, they just kind of stopped talking to me and I oh, didn't wow. think anything of it. And I go to this trip about a month later, I meet some people from my area and out of nowhere, I hear some things about this person that confirm my gut feeling. And that's when I looked at I looked at myself and I thought I had a gut feeling and I suppressed it because I thought that I was overthinking or, you know, all of that. And, you know, experiences like that really help you as a person to start to trust yourself more. So I would say, like, looking at relationships and things that didn't work out as reasons to trust yourself more or reasons to affirm, you know, your worth more is a great way to get over them and is a great way to actually learn from them and move on from them. That's what I've experienced personally. Yeah. And honestly, you should feel, I mean, I'm proud of you. You should feel proud of yourself for, for, you know, not kind of sticking around for something that wasn't right for you and following your gut eventually. You know, that's just like you said, so, so important and appreciate you that sharing that. So thank you. 
Um, But yeah, absolutely. You know, everything you said was just so true in so many aspects, whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, or honestly, even a family relationship. If you're feeling uncomfortable or toxicity coming from that end, it's okay to take a step back, even if it means, you know, it's for a little bit longer than you were hoping. So yeah, 1000%. And you're right, that does also go for family. And sometimes like, time and distance does kind of help to both parties see things clearer and, you know, gives them time to mature and grow. And then you never know if you find your way back again. Absolutely. Yeah. So (laughs) that leads on to the next question here, which is, you know, when I know it's time for me to walk away, how do I walk away? So the question would be like, what are, what are some really good ways to start walking away from one of these relationships that you've had, especially if you've had them for a very long time? This is an excellent question. And I think at the core of it, it's really just dependent on the person, right? Or the people. Um, But for me, the best ways have been really just to, first of all, I'm a huge proponent of journaling. um, And I've just recently discovered that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, there's all sorts of methods. But for me, like sometimes like getting my thoughts on paper really helped me realize what I need to do in a situation. I think it. I think on it for a few days. But again, this just goes back to what I had said previously about like what the signs are for you to start walking away. In terms of like the best way to do it, really, it's. I am a huge proponent of like communication is really key. You need to be able to communicate what you're feeling, what, why you're feeling that way, and like what you want. What's the end goal? Right. And so you have conversation with that person if they're willing, right? And if they're not willing, then that's your answer right there. Like, bye, you know? But um, really, it's just having conversation, letting the person know or, you know, party know that, like, what you need, what you feel was wrong. Um, And, you know, and then saying that you respect, like, respectfully, you need space. Um, But if, for whatever reason, they're not willing to give you that, then you just distance yourself. I know that sounds easier said than done, but I genuinely think, like, you don't know it. You don't owe anybody an explanation for anything in your life. Like, it's your life. You do what's best for you. And as long as you're not hurting others mm-hmm. and you're being kind and you're being true to yourself and your character, then you can do what you want. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've done both. I've had conversations that went south. I've, like, had conversations and it was mutual. I've not had conversations and just cold turkey and that's worked. But it just really depends on the situation. Um, and the person. I agree with that, you know, and conversations are hard to have, but it's better to have one (laughs) and try to get yourself out of the situation because what I've realized is, you know, initiating that conversation is a step towards self-love and knowing your self-worth. So, of course, you know, even if it doesn't go well, you took the step and you knew your worth and that's exactly, that's great. Yeah. Period. I, I, I couldn't have said that better. No, that was perfect. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. And, you know, obviously, you, you. I know you brought up some personal experiences, and I know you were talking about how you recently have, um, you know, left your full-time job to fully pursue this passion of yours that you've had. And, you know, your platform, as it's grown, there, there often comes a lot of negativity, whether that's from the community, whether that's from, you know, people... How have you been able to block out that negativity? This is, I am so glad you even asked this question because this is not talked about nearly enough in this creator community. But um, 
Honestly, Ananya, like this, this one is just simply like the minute you decide to put yourself out there, to put yourself in the limelight, mm-hmm. you just have to know that you are going to have people that will try to bring you down, that will try to spew negativity, and in general, just have something to say that's against you. Um, it's just something you have to accept the minute you decide to pursue something like this. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it was definitely not easy. I'm a very emotionally, like like I said, not the people pleaser part, but just in general, I consider myself a very emotional person. And what people say and how they say it really sticks with me. Mm-hmm. So my sister, for example, on the other hand, very, very good with this stuff. She's like someone that I definitely like learn a lot from in this and these kinds of things because, you know, she's she's a big TikToker. And for her, she also experiences this stuff. But... Mm-hmm. For her, it's like, she's like, oh, yeah, just another hate comment, like, whatever. For me, it's like, man, the minute I see a hate comment, I used to really, like, overanalyze it and be like, wow, but, like, why did they say this? Or, like, what did I ever do to them? And most of the time, with these, quote-unquote, like, you know, hate comments, it's it's coming from these, like, excuse me if I say this, but these, like, fobs, man, who, like, are just, just trying to disrespect you because you're doing what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Um... And then in general, outside of that, for me, the way I've learned to kind of overcome that is instead focusing on the people that truly love and respect me and what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. because that significantly for me outweighs all these random people that will have something negative to say about my platform, about what I'm doing. And that's kind of what's helped me block it out. Because again, it's the people that I really care about and that I like value and it's their opinions that I'll take, not these people that I don't know. I love that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, And I alluded to this earlier, but again, journaling has so many hidden powers. I cannot stress it enough. And I used to think it like it was silly, but I'm going through my own journey. I'm still figuring out if I, you know, there's times where I've figured like I really wanted to give therapy a shot. But, you know, I started with journaling. And I think for me, it's been something I've added to my routine um, for a few like months now. And I've genuinely seen changes and I've seen results and I've been more at peace and more confident and I'm sure of myself because everything I put on paper is like what I know and who I am so it doesn't matter to me what I see on the on the internet right of like Mm -hmm. people commenting on a video they just saw for one like one time so yeah that's kind of my general mantra for that one um but yeah I love that you make your own image of yourself that's awesome exactly yeah I love it and that leads on leads us to our next question, or actually our last question for today. You know, for other people who are struggling with similar things, maybe not being a social media influencer, but just in general, what advice do you have for anyone who's either struggling with their mental health or struggling to walk away from any toxicity in their life? Yeah, this is a really good question. Actually, all of these are really good questions. So I love that you put all these together. Um, you, my so two big things. Number one, it's like a little bit more straightforward. Is just my advice is always just focus on your own journey and do the little things, do the things that make you happy and make you feel like the most raw form of yourself. Um, The way you can do that is through self-care and that's a huge part of my routine. And so taking the time to myself Mm -hmm. as extroverted as I am and consider myself to be like that personal time is so key Mm -hmm. to just unwinding, reflecting and really just making sure you're keeping tabs on where you are mentally. And then the second part of this, and it's arguably the more important, is 
I don't think people realize how much emotional support is critical, whether it's from therapy, friends, family. Again, I said journaling like several times now, whatever your method is, right? Mm -hmm. Lean on the people and the method that allows you to share your truth and who will listen. Um, And I just want to say, because it's something that is not said enough. It's like, you're never alone. You should never feel like you, you know, what you're going through isn't real or it's not serious enough. Like that's the biggest mistake and like misconception that I've seen. And I never want personally anyone to ever feel that there are so many resources and communities that exist now, even on social media that you can leverage. And, you know, if all else fails, please know that I am always here to listen and be someone to offer advice if you please. And um, even some hype woman energy, you know, if you ever need it, I'm here as a resource. But I really just want to say that because a lot of unfortunate situations that happen are due to the fact that when people are struggling with mental health, no matter how severe or not it is, it's mental health. And like, people just don't feel supported. They don't feel heard. And that's so scary because that's never how anyone should feel. Um, And, you know, I think that ways you can kind of like take steps towards this is like maybe at dinner, like start opening up conversation with family. If your family, if you're in a family unit, that's allowing you to do so. Right. Just Mm -hmm. start having conversations on like how you're feeling um, and how you just ask those questions. Right. Like if you're feeling a little low or anxious or having a breakdown, like own it and share that. And don't judge when people tell you the same, you know, and just everyone just needs to be kinder. I feel like with their words and no matter what the situation is, because you never know what people are going through and you never know their story. Um, and I feel like this really would just solve so many issues if people were just kinder and they didn't judge, um, and ultimately save a lot of people. But yeah, that's kind of my two cents on that question. That was beautiful. Um, I honestly could not have said it better. And the idea of just surrounding yourself with people you love and just people, not even people, just experiences and things that are able to positively give back to you are just amazing things that I honestly am trying to incorporate into my own life as well. Um, You know, you were saying journaling, and I did want to say something that I've personally started doing actually this past week is gratitude journaling. So I sit down at the end of the day. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I I was hoping that that's what you were talking about. Yeah. Immediately. Yes. (laughs) It's amazing. So what's really helpful about gratitude journaling is that you do it at the end of the day, right? So you have to think of three to five things to write down. So throughout the day, you're going to think, oh, I'll write this down in my journal. Okay. I'll write this down in my journal. So your mindset automatically becomes so much more welcoming and positive to new experiences and just appreciating little things that you never appreciated before. And that's something that I actually wanted to share on the podcast at one point. And you brought it up and I was like, this is perfect. I'll definitely say it. So yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. That's incredible. I wish, again, I wish I had just done it sooner in my life Mm because it would have saved me from so much like heartache, mental stress, just all of that. But I actually, that's really interesting that you say that because for me, when I do great gratitude journaling, mm-hmm. I typically do it in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's really interesting because I I feel like the way you do it is probably better, in my opinion. It's probably more effective. Um, when I do it, it's really like I start by like affirmations, like I am confident, I am beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have your I am grateful for, right. and then you have your desires, which is like here's you speak as if you already have it. Right. Um, so for me, that would just be like you know signing with the agency or like, you know, modeling, whatever. Um, 
But I love how you end your day with that because before you're going to bed, it helps kind of ground you. Right. I, I like it both ways. I have affirmations for the morning and I have gratitude journaling for the evening. So you can always separate it out the way it works for you. So yeah, no, I awesome. love that. I love that. And, um, you know, one more thing, you know, you were talking about resources. I do want to just say that we do have resources on the Days of Reality podcast page on Instagram as well. South Asian therapists, um, domestic abuse hotlines specifically for South Asian women um, or men that are, you know, going through anything like that. So just know that that's also available. And obviously, Shagun said her DMs are open. Our DMs are open. Um, we're always here for you. There's always someone that's there. And if you don't feel like you're able to take a step towards knowing your worth, listening into podcasts and listening in and surrounding yourself with positive creators like Shagun um, is a great step towards self-love and self-care because then you know you're surrounding yourself with people that have energy that you strive to have as well. So I do want to say if you're listening in and you're thinking, I haven't done any of this before, listening in and it's in the first place is like a step. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to wrap up by saying, um, let's just give Ananya a huge round of applause, honestly, virtually. Yay. Um, because <laughs> that like platforms like this podcast like this, if I had, if I had seen these earlier while I was growing up, I would have felt so at much more at ease. And I think it's just so incredible the things you're doing, um, what kind of topics you're addressing. And I just cannot wait to see how this, this podcast and this platform grows even further. Um, and I really want to thank you for having me on today to help me, you know, share my story, share my, th my truth. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an honor and you're such a well-spoken person. I appreciate everything you're saying. Um, so I really <laughs> hope you. that everyone listening in enjoyed this episode. I sure enjoyed talking to Shogun and you guys know what I say every single time, make sure to eat food, drink water and take care of yourself because you deserve it. We've talked about that a lot today. So I hope you guys truly, truly believe what I'm saying. Um, I hope you guys have an amazing day and thank you so much for coming on once again, Shogun. Thank you. Love you all. I love you guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye guys.